0: And the Equitable Society's representative in your community. The Equitable Life Assurance Society has nearly 8,000 trained representatives from coast to coast, serving more than 4 million members. Tonight, one of our Equitable Society representatives has a brief message on Social Security. Because of recent changes in the Social Security law, about 10 million new Social Security numbers are being issued. What's more, those who have old numbers receive greatly increased benefits. So this is a good time to look at your financial situation, to see what lies ahead for you and your family. You'll get a lot of help in this job from the Equitable Society's famous fact-finding chart for fathers and mothers. Listen carefully in about 14 minutes. When Mr. Keating will tell you more about Equitable's fact finding chart and how it can help you. Tonight, FBI file number 295. Its subject, Subversive Activity. Its title, Communist Agent. states is a nation founded in the blood of revolution. Perhaps for that reason, we as a people have always been uncommonly tolerant of minorities. However, there is a minority group among us today whose motives bear looking into. That group is the American Communist Party, and those who, while not belonging, subscribe to its ideals. What would these people, if successful in their attempt to overthrow this government, bring us as a substitute? Thomas Jefferson, a man they hold nothing but contempt for, once wrote, The God who gave us life gave us liberty at the same time. The man who made the Communist International a reality, Nikolai Lenin, also had some words to say about liberty. He wrote, It is true that liberty is precious. So precious, it must be rationed. This evening, the Federal Bureau of Investigation brings you a case from its files concerning a Communist agent. A man who believes in this rationing of liberty, not of his liberty, mind you, but of yours. Tonight's file opens on the stairway of a modest apartment house located in the downtown section of a west coast city. It is late afternoon as a tall, well-dressed man climbs to the third floor landing. walks down the hall to the door of apartment number seven. He knocks. Receiving no answer, he tries the door, finds it open, and enters. He looks around a small room, finding himself alone. He removes his hat, puts it on a the table, then sits down on a couch to wait. Mr. Martin. Mr. Carter? Here. Package from Powell's department store. Sign here, please. Mm Mm-hmm. All right. Thanks. Careful, it's heavy. I got it. He places the package on the metal and returns to the cup. right? My name is Jones. What are you doing here? I've come to see you. How did you get into my apartment? The door was open. Look, who are you? What do you want? Do you know a George Graham lives in Canada? Yes. I was just up there, saw him. He said to stop by and give you his regards. How did he know where I live? I wouldn't know. Mr. Carter, you work for a shipping company, don't you? That's right. Why? Well, George said to remind you about your Aunt Mary. She's not feeling very well these days. Oh. Care to talk about her? No. Not today. Very well. Will I be at your office tomorrow? Yes. I'll call you there. yesterday. About what? You are from Canada. Yes. And you do have an Aunt Mary? That's right. <laughs> I thought maybe I had the wrong Bruce Carter. Mr. Jones, why did you call? What do you want? I'd uh, like to ask a little favor. What kind? Your company has freighters to the Orient that make unscheduled stops along the coast. I'd like to get a list of the stops your boats will make any day this week. Why? A certain party wants to take a trip. Doesn't want too many people knowing about it. You? No, this for a friend. Oh? Can you get me that list? Well, I... I don't know. Why not? Well, you... Your boats do occasionally carry passengers. And you wouldn't be cheating the company. The passage would be paid for. Well, I guess it's possible. Fine. How about making up the list and meeting me? Where? You know the drugstore on the corner of Maine and Olive? Yes. I'll see you in front of there at nine tonight. The following morning at the local FBI field office... Agent in charge Webster interrupts his conversation to introduce Special Agents Taylor and Grayson to his visitor. Taylor, Grayson, this is Mr. Carter. Hi, you Hello, you? Hello, Mr. Carter. Mr. Carter, I'd like you to tell these men exactly what you told me. From the beginning? Please. Well, my name is Bruce Carter. I came to this country a year ago from Canada. One of my friends up there was named George Graham. He was a communist. But that didn't make any difference to me. His politics was his own business. Then he started to make it my business. Oh, how, sir? He knew I read a lot, so he lent me books and pamphlets. Largely, I became interested in communism. Mm -hmm. I wanted to join the party, but George said I'd be more valuable if I didn't. And when was that? About two years ago. My wife died last December, and I decided to move to the United States. Graham asked if I was interested in helping the party here. And I said yes. He said he'd see to it that I got a chance. And did you join the party when you came to the United States? No, George said not to do anything till I was contacted. Mm-hmm. And how long did that take? Nobody ever got in touch with me till night before last. I see. In that year, I had a chance to do some thinking and came to realize that the things the Communist Party says it stands for aren't what it's really interested in. Well, I applied for my American citizenship and just about forgot George Graham. And then this thing happened. What thing, sir? I got home the other night from work and found a man waiting for me in my apartment. I live alone, so he must have let himself in. He told me my Aunt Mary wasn't feeling well. That's how George Graham said my contact would identify himself. What was this man's name? Jones. He never mentioned any first name. Probably a cover name. Yeah. What did he look like? Oh, he was tall with dark hair. I don't know. There wasn't... Really, anything about him you'd remember. Mr. Carter works for the Green Star Shipping Company. They run freighters all over the Pacific. He got a call from this man, Jones, at his office yesterday. He wanted a list of the unscheduled stops along the coast that the freighters will make this week. What for? Jones wants to get somebody out of the country. He didn't mention any names, so I can't tell you who it is. And what was your answer, Mr. Carter? I said I'd give him the information last night. We were supposed to meet in front of the drugstore at Maine and Olive the poster. Didn't he show up? I don't know. I never even made up the list. I said I'd do it just to get rid of him. Uh, Well, he'll probably call again. That's why I came here this morning. I've advised Mr. Carter to play along with Jones and keep the next appointment. If he does call back, Taylor, you and Grayson follow through. Didn't you show up last night? Our date was for tonight. Last night? Oh, I guess I misunderstood. Oh. You got the list? I'm working on it now. What's your number? I'll call you when it's finished. Uh, I'll be out. Well, what's your address? I can drop it by on my way home. I'd rather meet you someplace. My apartment? No, there's a cafeteria on the corner of 10th and Olive. Uh Uh-huh. I'll meet you in front of the place at 9 tonight. And don't forget the list. I won't. Goodbye. Bye. Operator, get me the FBI. That night, two men sit at a table near the large plate glass window of the cafeteria at Tent and Olive. Each has a half-empty cup of coffee in front of him. The two men are Special Agents Taylor and Grayson. Another cup of coffee, Kurt? 14's as far as I can go. Too bad we can't get a little of it out Carter. Poor guy must be half frozen. Been out over there two hours, huh? Beginning to be one of those cases, Jim. Yeah. You've got a name that's probably an alias and almost no description. Time elements, what bothers me, Kurt? Miss Jones wants to get somebody out of the country, so he takes a long shot gamble and tries to work through Carter about whom the party really knows very little. That means that somebody must be hot. Mm -hmm. And if they don't get him out through Carter, they'll switch to some other contact. Yeah. Well, I doubt he'll show tonight.
1: Uh, I guess not. Come on, Kurt.
0: Go ahead. Mr. Carter. Don't you want to wait anymore? No, we might as well face it. This time you got to stand up. Mm, I don't understand. Well, he probably got suspicious when you asked about his phone number and address this morning. Say, I thought of something while I was waiting here. I don't know if it'll be of any help. No, what is it, sir? I noticed a package on the table in my apartment that night after he visited me. I thought maybe he left it by mistake. It turned out to be mine. It was an order from Powell's department store. You didn't know it was there? It wasn't when I went to work that morning. How long was this Jones in your apartment before you came home? I don't know. Well, he could have accepted that delivery. Yeah. He he must have. When the janitor takes anything, he always holds it till he sees me. I see. Well, if Jones was there when the package came, whoever delivered it might be able to give us a description. Fred, let's start working on that first thing in the morning. Mm -hmm. Webster, may I see you a minute? Oh, come in, Tina. Thank you. Did you get my message about Jones not showing up last night? Yes. That was bad news. We're working on a new lead now. What's that? A package was delivered to Carter's apartment from Powell's department store the day that Jones let himself in. There's a chance that Jones accepted delivery. How far have you gone with it? Grayson's at the store now trying to locate the delivery man and also the receipt. Well, I hope you get a result. You see, I thought this was just another subversive activities case when Carter came to see us. Washington called on it a few minutes ago. Oh, do they have any idea who Jones is? No. But from what they said, the man Jones is trying to smuggle out is probably Arthur Harrison. Who's that, sir? A friend of some individuals who've worked on some of this government's top secret projects. Uh He's under indictment now back east for failure to register as a foreign agent. Uh Washington has information that he came here by train three days ago. That's the day that Jones visited Carter's apartment? Yes. He must know plenty if they're trying to get him out of the country. Well, I'd better get over to the store and get Grayson a hand, sir. Well, go ahead, Taylor. If you need any more men, call me. The director wants every facility of the office used on this case. So as of right now, we've all got one job. Locate Arthur Harrison. Turn in just a minute to tonight's exciting case from the official files of your FBI. And now a short message on social security from our sponsor, the Equitable Life Assurance Society. Last August 28, the president signed the revised Social Security law, increasing benefits by fifty to one hundred percent and bringing ten million additional persons into social security. On September 1st, the revised law went into effect. What is there in it for me? How does it affect my family's financial future? Those are questions that millions of Americans are asking themselves these days. To help you arrive at an intelligent answer, the Equitable Society has revised its famous fact-finding chart for fathers and mothers. When you get this chart, you imagine that the regular income of your family has been suddenly cut off by the unexpected death of the breadwinner. What happens then? What monthly income will be required to keep your family from breaking up? The fact-finding chart for fathers and mothers will give you a reliable and accurate answer. With their new Social Security benefits, how many additional dollars will they need every week to be well-fed, well-housed, well-clothed until the youngest child finishes high school? The fact-finding chart for fathers and mothers will give you an answer you can trust, guide you every step of the way with simple, easy-to-understand pictures. Once you have the facts, you can plan intelligently. Chances are that with your present life insurance and your new social security benefits, only a small amount of additional life insurance will mean complete security. Your equitable representative will work out a sound program. Ask him for the revised fact-finding chart for fathers and mothers. No charge, of course. Get in touch with your equitable representative soon or write care of this station to the Equitable Life Assurance Society of the United States. And now back to the FBI file, Communist Agent. Perhaps the most tragic fact about tonight's case from the files of the Federal Bureau of Investigation is that Don Crawford, which is the real name of Communist Agent Jones, and Arthur Harrison, the man he is trying to help flee the country, are both Americans. Each was born in this country and grew up with the advantages that are inherent in that statement. Yet, each became a communist and adopted this foreign ideology. Why? In their cases, as in so many others, the answer goes back to their younger days, when the doctrine was first taught them. Each joined the cell of the party before his 21st birthday, a cell made up of other young Americans similarly indoctrinated. You, as an individual listener to this program, might be asking what you can do to help stem the tide, to prevent the communist total in this nation from swelling. There is an answer. Teach the youngsters now growing up more than the three R's. Teach them that as Americans, they are part of a people who own the most precious thing in the world. Their personal freedom. Tonight's file continues that same morning at a small furnished bungalow on the outskirts of the city. Who's there? Leave it there, Oh, just a moment. Good morning, Jones. Good morning. Here's the papers. I brought some groceries. Oh, thank you. Just having breakfast? Yes. Uh, Can I pour you some coffee? No, no. I'm only going to stay a minute. How are you coming along with the steamship companies? Oh, I think I should know something later today. I hope so. I don't particularly enjoy being holed up in this place. Anything I can get you, Mr. Harrison? Uh, yes. Some books. I've made out a list here. Would you get them for me? Sure, let's have them. Here you are. Hmm. Anything else? A nice ocean voyage. Well, we'll get that straightened out. done. I think i better get out of here and go to work on it right now. I'll call you later. Jim? Uh, Jim? Oh, hi, Kurt. Hi. This is Fred Spencer, the delivery boy who works Carter's Neighborhood. Fred? Hi. Did you work this past Monday? Monday? Sure. Anybody else make deliveries along your route? Nope. Then you delivered a package to somebody named Bruce Carter at the Kenmore Apartments Monday afternoon. You remember that? The Kenmore Monday. Uh-huh. Third floor? That's right. Do you remember who you gave the package to? It was a guy. Do you remember anything at all about him? I don't remember his face. He he was kind of tall. Did he sign for the package? Oh, sure. I wouldn't give for it for to him unless... Yes? Oh. You got something, Mr. Davis? Uh, yes. Yeah. Here's that receipt you wanted. Oh, fine, Thanks. Is this the one that Carter is supposed to have signed? Yeah. Yeah, It's his name, all right. But, Jim, it doesn't look like his signature. No. Well, come on, Kurt. Let's get back to the office. (laughs) Get anything at the store, Taylor? Yes, Mr. Webster. The delivery man said he probably gave the package to John's. We found the signed receipt, and Kurt's having it photostatted now. Mm, you showed it to Carter? Yes, sir. It's definitely a forgery. Uh, we've got pictures of Arthur Harrison a few minutes ago. Oh, yeah. Uh, Thank you. Mr. Webster, you said we could have as many men as we needed on this case. It still goes. Well, I've got a theory, and with enough manpower, we might be able to locate John's. Well, let's hear it. Well, the meeting place he named on the first phone call was Maine and Olive. The second was 10th and Olive. Uh Uh-huh. Jones told Carter he'd just gotten in from Canada. That would make him a transient, and as a transient, he's probably living in a hotel. We haven't got enough men to cover every hotel in town. How about checking the Olive Street area between 10th and Main? My guess is he made the dates for there because they're close to home. It's a possibility. If Grayson and I got some help, sir, we could inspect the registers at every hotel in that section and compare the signatures with the photostats. Get up your plans, Taylor. I'll have the men report to you as soon as you're ready. Let's have a few pages from the register, huh? here. Oh,
1: yeah.
0: okay. oh, we're running out of hotels. I know, but... Jim? Huh? Look at this one. Don Crawford. Where? Oh, right here. Put the photostatic next yeah, to it. Here, yeah. here. Oh, look. Same big curl on the capital C. And the R's in Carter, exactly like the ones in Crawford. Yeah. Say, take... clerk. How uh, did you find him? Don Crawford. What room's he in? Oh, uh, wait till I look. like uh, Crawford. Uh,
1: Crawford.
0: Mm. No one in the hotel by that name. He must have checked out. How about a forwarding address? I'll see. Crawford. Uh, Crawford. No, nothing here. How Kurt? we all uh, Just a... a minute. We had a large convention here last month, and we had to move some of our guests. I'll move them where? To other hotels. Is Crawford one of them?
1: Uh, wait a minute. Uh, Crawford. Uh, Crawford. Yes, Don
0: Crawford. Where did he move to? The Hotel Central. Thanks. Come on, Kurt. Let's get over there. Hello? Mr. Harrison? That's right. This is Jones. I've got good news. You leave tonight. From where? Up the coast. Uh, What kind of a boat? An oil tanker. I had you signed on as a member of the crew. The crew? That was the only way. I've got you all the necessary papers. Well, I... I'll get my car and come right over. Well, uh, wait. Uh, did you get my books? Yes. Look, uh, you'll have to pack in kind of a hurry. Your boat sails in two hours. <laughs> Can I help you, gentlemen? Yes, we're from the FBI. Here are my credentials. Mm-hmm. Now, what can I do for you? I want to see a Don Crawford. He just checked out. When? A few minutes ago. Any idea where he went? No, but maybe the doorman can help. Well, Charlie! Yeah? Would you come here, please? What is it? Somebody named Don Crawford just checked out. you see him? Tall guy? That's right. Left a couple of minutes ago. Carried his own bag. Take a cab? No, he walked to a car down the block. Drove away. What kind of a car was it? I don't know. Here's how little you missed him by, Mr. Taylor. We haven't even found a duplicate of his bill. Is that in? Mm Mm-hmm. Here. Thanks.
1: Where are your house
0: phones? Around to the right. Kurt, I want to check something. Can I give you a hand, Mr. Harrison? I'll be all packed in a minute. We haven't got much time. Oh, hand me that toilet kit. Here. How far do we travel to reach the boat? Forty miles. Got everything? Yes. I'll take the bag. Thank you. Go ahead. Thanks. Car's right in front here. Uh, What about my Siemens papers? I've got them. you only have to work one day and get sick a good sick bay on the boat. Well, I'll need it. Here we are. Wait till I throw you a bag and bag. <coughs> now, I'll slide in. Just a minute, please. What? you must be Don Crawford. And he's Arthur Harrison here. Oh, what's this all about? We're special agents the FBI. You'd both better come along with us. Harrison was given five years in a federal prison for a violation of the Federal Registration Act. Don Crawford, alias Mr. Jones, was sentenced to six months in a federal penitentiary for harboring. Special Agents Taylor and Grayson were able to apprehend these two men because the last charge on Don Crawford's hotel bill had been for a phone call, a call to Arthur Harrison's bungalow. These two arrests did not, of course, end the subversive work of the Communist Party in the United States. They are still active in every state in the Union, but they can be prevented from accomplishing their goals with the aid of an alert, watchful citizen race. If you suspect anyone of espionage, sabotage, or subversive activities, report the facts to the Federal Bureau of Investigation. Please report only facts. Remember that the ideological war between communism and democracy is a battle between the big lie and the big truth. So avoid reporting malicious gossip or idle rumor. Get the facts. Then turn to page one of your telephone directory for the number and call the nearest field office of your FBI. In just a moment, you will hear about next week's exciting case from the files of your FBI. But first, another quick message from our Equitable Society representative on the fact-finding chart for fathers and mothers. I'd just like to remind you that this Equitable Chart is really easy to get. There are over 8,000 of us Equitable Society representatives, and any one of us would be happy to bring you, without charge, without obligation, Equitable's fact-finding chart for fathers and mothers. Ask an equitable man for yours soon. Or send a postcard, care of this radio station, to the Equitable Life Assurance Society of the United States. Next week, we will dramatize another case from the files of the Federal Bureau of Investigation. File number 296. Its subject, armed robbery. Its title, The Floating Stick Up. Tony Hughes, Bill Johnstone, Gil Stratton Jr., Tom Tully, Theodore Von Elks, and Carlton Young. This is your FBI is a Jerry Devine production. This is Larry Keating speaking for the Equitable Life Assurance Society of the United States and the Equitable Society's representative in your community. And inviting you to tune in again next week at the same time when the Equitable Life Assurance Society will bring you another thrilling transcribed story from the files of the Federal Bureau of Investigation. The floating stick-up on This Is Your FBI. Stay tuned for the adventures of Ozzie and Harriet. There's fun for the whole family when Ozzie and Harriet come your way next.